Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. On today's episode, our guest is going to talk to us all about family estrangement in the Latina community. Violeta is a Mexican licensed mental health therapist and an estrangement coach who supports people who are unable to feel safe and supported by their biological and non-biological families. This includes having limited to no contact with their family members. As soon as I saw Violeta's content, I knew I had to have her on the podcast because like me, I know there are a lot of people out there who might have family estrangement in their family dynamic. So I think that this is definitely a topic that we need to make more space for, we need to heal from and grow from, and Violeta is doing such an amazing job. I wanted to also give a trigger warning because we talk about some very deep things on this podcast episode that could potentially trigger something for you if you are currently going through a family estrangement or you have in the past. I really hope this conversation allows you to, one, not feel like you're alone, and two, give you space to really go deeper into setting those boundaries because you deserve to live the life you want. Thank you for tuning in, amiga. Hola, mujerones. Welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited for today's conversation because it's definitely something different that we are bringing to the podcast, but I know it is such a needed conversation. This is something that I know a lot of us have gone through. We have we are maybe going through and I just feel like there's not that many that much space for this type of conversation so I want you to help me welcome my guest Violeta thank you so much for being here Violeta Fernandez she is such an amazing mujeron and she's going to be sharing more about her story and how she's helping the Latinx community thank you so much Violeta for being here today Hi, Sonia. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I appreciate that you're inviting me to this space because I do know it's needed, especially for daughters and queer children that are dealing with dysfunctional or difficult family members. Um, and they're trying to navigate uh, boundaries and discussions around um, their role in the family. Yes. And so your story and a lot of your message is around family estrangement, right? And I think that so many of us in the Latinx community can relate to this. Uh, like you mentioned, you know, queer, our queer community that is maybe going through difficult conversations that they have to confront with the cultural norms that we're used to, but also just different ideas. I think as we're building and we're growing as first generation there's so many different ideologies and just like lifestyles that we live that maybe our parents aren't used to and they don't understand that can cause this tension um these 
arguments, difficult conversations. And I love the message that you bring of just going through what really feels good for us, regardless of what we were brought up with and the ideas that we were brought up with. So let's start with your story. I think that will be a great way to kind of just get to know you and, and learn more about your journey. Um, so I would love for you to share your story with us. Thank you. Well, I'm Violeta and I'm a licensed mental health therapist and an estrangement coach. So I support people who do not feel safe and supported by families that includes biological and non-biological family members. I started this journey really from my own experience. Um, in At the end of 2018, I had been disowned from my family and it wasn't the first time. It really wasn't the last time. Um, but at that point, uh, it happened because I had started to create boundaries. In speaking up for myself was really uncomfortable. I do have a history of family violence. And a lot of behaviors had really been normalized to me. But prior to setting boundaries, I was actually going through a breakup. And I started, you know, asking questions like, why do I keep dating these type of people? Why do I keep going through this? And even as a social worker, um, I still had my own healing to do. And so the more I learned about boundaries, narcissism, just really, or just manipulation, really toxic behaviors, I started noticing the patterns that were showing up in my family and even friendships and relationships but confronting family was really uncomfortable but I had my best friend who would point things out and like hey that's not okay so at the end of 2018 when my mom at the time was going through um, uh, cirrhosis my family starts going into crisis mode and that's where having parents that are very wounded um, just become even like their anxiety is heightened even more. So what had been normalized to me became more intense. And so when I said, you know, I don't like the way you talk to me, it was just, I'll talk to you however the fuck I want to talk to you. And it really rattled me, but I only got to that place and speaking up for myself because I had moved out. I had moved to Los Angeles prior to that. I never would have said something like that. Following that, I was going to visit family and I decided I'm not going to stay with my parents this time. And that was a big deal. So being that I actually stayed with my brother and them, you know, confronting that I was no longer as accessible. Later, I realized what it was is I wasn't ex meeting their expectations as a daughter. And so as I started to join private practice as a therapist and doing my research, I thought, oh, this has a name to it. And it was the Marianismo component. And then the fact that my parents had disowned me and I felt abandoned, that was where I started realizing more or learning more about family estrangement. And that's the distance created in families, the loss of closeness and realizing it comes in different forms. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Yeah, I I just, I feel like this is something that even as Latinas, right, we kind of sweep under the rug sometimes when we have these conversations with our parents. And like, I think during the podcast and in, in conversation with many other Latinas, sometimes I we open up about certain comments or certain things that our family members, our parents say, and that we kind of 
just take it because we grew up that way. And now as we're going through our own healing journey, we start to realize like, wait, it's not okay for them to say certain things about my weight or things about the way I live or, you know, um, where I choose to go to school, so many other things. And I, one of the things that we want to share with you guys today, if you're tuning in is what are some of the steps or the actionable steps that we can take if we're going through, or maybe we've already gone through family estrangement and Violeta here is going to share a few things that, you know, her as a coach helps her clients with as a therapist as well. Um, so Violeta, can you share with us some of those actionable steps if we're currently maybe going through a, a moment of confrontation with our family, or we want to start having those difficult conversations, what are some of the steps that we can take? Sure. So a lot of times when I'm working on my clients, it's, um, they usually come because they don't feel in control. They don't feel safe, but even the, like the language of safety hasn't been normalized for them. So helping people realize like actually how your body's responding to family members, that's actually not okay. It's a signal that you don't feel safe. So for instance, if they're feeling like a lot of anxiety about saying no or not going to a family event, not pitching in for maybe like uh, with money and the fact that they're so nervous and are avoiding it um, or feeling like ashamed that they feel like they're betraying themselves so just recognizing how they don't feel safe in these relationships is a signal to them that something needs to change once we do that we once we look at the relationship with their body and how they're feeling we also look at well what's actually important to you it is really challenging differentiating your own identity from family because those are our first relationships we have internalized our families. So their norms, their values, um, the behaviors, the expectations, and a lot of how they've responded to us, positive and negative, positively and negatively. It feels good when they, we feel accepted, but it feels horrible. You already know, like that look, the look that they can give you if you're not making a, a decision that's going to align with the family values people know the tone of their family member they already know like the quiet their silence so with that said it's just becoming comfortable that hey you actually can have your own beliefs and ideas now acting on them or living your truth it's easier said than done uh it'll depend do you rely on your family for support so that's where building community comes in and collecting resources so that you don't have to rely as much on your family. Also, it's helping people understand you don't have to not have a relationship with them. It doesn't mean you have to go no contact. We hear a lot about no contact. In a lot of situations, it's very much needed. And honestly, people do it sometimes for short periods of time. Um, but helping them realize there's also a middle ground. So if you feel like no contact's not for you, you need something more what we call low contact. It's helping clients decide, well, what are your slow boundaries? What do you what are you already doing or you want to do that helps you to feel safe? 
And that may be not disclosing details about their relationships or accomplishments. A lot of times it's because it's been weaponized against them. It may not having as much contact, so just less visits, less phone calls. And sometimes it's, again, um, just limiting uh, what you're expressing to them when it comes to emotions. It can be uncomfortable. And, and, and for some of us, there can be grief in that because we we hope that our parents and family members will come around that that me bringing up you know hey I, I I'm going to therapy that maybe that'll influence them it sometimes it does but a lot of times it, it, it is a struggle so just looking at what does safety mean to you what is important to you what does community look like for you and what can you redefine and understanding that you don't have to leave everything behind. If there's certain traditions or beliefs you want to hold on to, you can, but as long as you feel safe with that. So those are some of the the, the points that we look at. So I want to talk a little bit about the grief, right? The grieving process of this, whether you're deciding no contact or you're deciding to, you know, just not see this person as much that is low contact that low contact that you mentioned mm -hmm. there's a grieving process to that right and mm -hmm. I want to share a little bit of my experience with a particular family member and I'm not going to disclose too much because I feel like I'm still healing through this uh this you know something that I went through um but it took many years for me to be able to say like I choose not to see this family member ever again yeah. and I had to understand that not everybody in my family was going to understand it or stand on my side or um continue to not see this person right um because obviously like that's someone's sister that's someone's aunt that's someone's uh daughter or whatever so obviously it, it wasn't always going to be easy and I knew that there was going to be moments where maybe I would run into them mm -hmm. but I feel like there's something that you mentioned about the support and the community right and I knew who my allies would be in this mm -hmm. I knew that my close family like my immediate family was going to be people that were going to support this decision. So I, I love that you mentioned that community aspect and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your, your immediate family. It could be your friends. It could be your sisterhood, whatever you are uh, surrounded by. But I want you to tell us a little bit about like the grieving process and what are some, some of the things that maybe you did mm -hmm. to be able to go through that? Because I feel like sometimes I do find myself thinking about them and being like, I miss what once was. And I, this person was such a huge impact in my life at an early age. But at the same time, I know that I made the right decision for my own mental health and like the things that I went through and they allowed, right? And so what are even now that I'm like unpacking this, I'm literally unpacking this with you guys. <laughs> what are some of the things that I can do to be okay with 
it's probably never gonna be like that and that's okay yeah yeah you're right there is grief whenever we create distance or end the relationship with the family member and that's what we call ambiguous loss Mm -hmm. because there hasn't typically been well one they're still alive (laughs) and two uh, there typically isn't a sense of concrete closure um so there's a lot of uncertainty around what what may have occurred that led to the distance or the no contact there's also uncertainty about about the outlook like am I ever going to see them again am I going to run into them again um are we going to reconnect so a lot of uncertainty with that however it does entail sadness and even confusion and so one of the one of the ta- one of the talks that we have in therapy and in coaching is the grieving process you it's normal to still miss a family member that hurt you because truthfully in within family violence in any relationship where there's violence and mind you violence, there's this whole spectrum to it. It doesn't always have to be physical. Um, There are good times. There are good times. They did meet a need at one point. So it's normal for us want to either try to fix the relationship numerous times because there's that hope it'll, go back to how it was um but it's also just normal to to miss those good times and part of us is also grieving the person we used to be they're they're a symbol of this person that we also used to be and just that period in our life so it is being okay with sadness and even being angry there may be anger with them and how they behaved or treated you um, so it's being okay with emotions and transforming your relationship with emotions is um, not shaming or blaming yourself why it didn't work out. And then it is replacing old traditions with new traditions. And that, like you're right, it can be with fa- other family members. It can be outside of your family. I love the digital community. That's where we, we're we finding more support and having these conversations and so having traditions and rituals and it is at some point coming to terms and just accepting they were a part of our life at one point, things change. You're allowed to change. And sometimes we do have to leave people behind when their values or their behaviors don't align or don't feel safe with us, to us. It's a process. It takes practice. Sometimes it's really just Um, expressing yourself so that you're not constantly like holding it in because your body will feel it. And so people have different outlets, whether it's art, music, um, podcasting, you, you would find an outlet that works best for you. And it's just um, finding, going with the flow and also not feeling pressured that I have to fix myself. I have to heal. Sometimes it sitting in your grief is necessary. Right. So good. Mm -hmm. You mentioned maybe there being no closure. And I feel like that might be something for a lot of us, especially in our Latinx community, because a lot of this, these difficult conversations sometimes are not even there. They don't even take place. Right. Has to do with, you know, just like the sweep it under the rug, like you know, this particular thing that happened to me, like, and later on, I found out, you know, there was many people involved that went through a similar situation, but 
it's almost like it's known in our family but it's not talked about and it's like you know it it's like le sacan la vuelta kind of thing yeah uh, so what are some of the things that we can do because I ne never necessarily had a conversation with this person mm -hmm. um, it was a conversation that maybe was had with other family members about you know the situation and with myself as well but her and I never had the conversation. Uh, so what are some of the things that we can do in order to kind of get the closure on our own that maybe we'll never be able to have this conversation and be able to heal and move forward from it? Because I think that's probably been one of the most, the most difficult parts for me. Amiga, if this episode is resonating with you, I want to invite you to our signature event, Mujer on Movement 2023. This is a day of community, empowerment, and purpose to help you start showing up as the Mujeron of your dreams. It's happening on October 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona, and this event is for you if you are looking to build a growth mindset and maximize your potential, if you're craving connecting with like-minded amigas and want to join a supportive community, if you're ready to to stop playing small, put the excuses aside, and become the best version of yourself, this is for you. In this exclusive experience, you'll get inspired by trailblazing Latinas, keeping it real on how they've reached success. You'll gain insight and knowledge to bring your big vision to life, no matter what part of the journey you're on and no matter what that big goal that you have, I can guarantee you that you'll walk away inspired and ready to take action. I'll see you there, amiga. Check the show notes to get your seat and we'll get back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I should, you know, I do want to reframe in within like estrangement, there can be a lack of like traditional closure where, oh, we talk it out. It didn't work out. Or I don't, you know, we're, we're not going to hang out anymore. Um, really, you can define, you can define what closure means to you. It doesn't mean it won't hurt, but that does give you a sense of control. And that's where you take back your narrative and decide, actually, um, I didn't like the way I was treated and I'm not going to allow that type of behavior. I don't, you know, you, you would define that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really hard because in our culture is so, um, being angry, there's a lot of shame in just expressing anger or speaking up. And it's tough if you don't have people to support you in that. And oftentimes in estrangement, you have family alliances. And so it can feel really overwhelming when you also see this person being backed up and protected and enabled by other people. So this is where you, with the support of your community, is what does closure look like for you? And so you're really the one that would define that. You can use, again, different outlets, if it's writing, singing, um, using art. And so I know that's probably like, okay, but give me a direct answer. <laughs> but I don't know. Have you thought about it? Like, yeah, I guess I should ask you, like, what, what do you feel like closure? I guess it's listening to your intuition. What does that feel like for you? 
Right. And I, I love that you say that it just looks different for everyone because even as I sit here, it's it's not clear yet what it would be. Maybe it's like opening up more about my story and like being able to share that part of me that I've never talked about in public. Um, but I think that definitely a lot of it for me is like the healing right and like for me it's like how do I make sure that this cycle ends with me because I feel like that's been one of the craziest like um realizations about this is when I opened up about this situation to my mom and like nothing was really done it was like, well I went through it and nobody did anything for me so like for her it was the norm and it was like oh my god like now as a mom I'm like hell no if this ever my child ever went through something like this I would you know what I mean like and I feel like that for me has been a huge part of my journey now as a mom it's like how do I make sure this doesn't continue to happen to our generation yes and you honestly see that a lot with family violence including sexual abuse um there is a lot of fear of this is going to also happen to my children so this is where you can change the narrative of like transitioning from victim to survivor to thriver. Mm-hmm. And so for me, spreading awareness about family violence and recognizing um, as wounded as my parents are, they did not have a right to treat me the way they did. And so it's really just standing firm in your values. Like, so the closure can incorporate, you can incorporate your values it takes practice though so having dialogue like this with other people that have like-minded um interests and values and building off of that but sharing your story is powerful because we are expected to to not say anything because a lot of times there are consequences either with us or other family members we've seen them be um, pushed out of the family we've seen them being disliked and talked about we or it's happened to us the way I see it is I wasn't meant to fit in my family and that's that's actually a good thing because they operate off of beliefs that are very um, rooted in white supremacy that's not the life I want do I miss them yes but I can't I cannot live in that chaos and feeling unsafe it's not for me so for you it's taking what has happened to you and using that to redefine your values and what's important to you yeah so good so there's two more questions I want to ask one is kind of going off of the conversation we were having right now about uh even when you have these difficult conversations and maybe it's not directly with the person that you are um choosing to have no contact or low contact, but maybe it's with people who are in the dynamic of the family, right? That also have um, relationship with this person. When you do open up about the things that are happening to you, or when you choose to, let's say, have no contact with this other person and you don't get the response that you were hoping for, how do you navigate that? Because I feel like sometimes we expect people to just be like, oh my God, you know, and like be on our side. And like, 
how can we navigate when maybe we didn't get the apology or maybe we didn't get uh, the the reaction that we wanted or the support that we wanted? Yeah, and I've gone through that too. Like I see tios and tias still, you know, hanging out with my dad and, and um, or still like my tias still questioning like, but they took care of you. I'm like, yeah, tia, that was their job. <laughs> They're my parents. And just really not um being supportive of where I'm at or, or checking in, how am I doing? And it, but seeing them hang out, sometimes it's really disturbing if, when they're um when they're predators. What I know though, my my um my role as a therapist has helped me to realize is that they have some type of need being met by my dad mm -hmm. so that I can't relate to. And I don't like it, but that's, we're in different paths. As much as I miss like extended family, we have, we don't have the same values and they're still, they're still functioning in that dysfunction. Like that's what works for them. So it's, it's hard to say not to take it personal because yeah, part of me does take it personal. So I'm not even going to say don't take it personal, but it's, then that's that just reinforces my decision not to have a relationship with him and to either limit or not have a relationship with them sometimes we'll see family members meet needs for us still it might be that familiarity like I see you still hanging out with him but I don't want to let go of having an abuelita so that's where you learn how to have boundaries and the low contact comes in but again, that'll be depending on your circumstances, how much you rely on family. And two, it depends where you're at in life. Some people that are entering parenthood, being mommies, boppies for the first time, they they right now need that emotional connection somehow with family that still may have harmed them. But some of us don't. And that's where it's like, I don't need to have contact with you. So again, it, it constantly goes back to like, um, what's important to you? And that can be very foreign to us because it's constantly, our needs have based, been based on family. Right. Wow, this is, I can so relate to that. Like seeing people still having, you know, interactions, knowing what, you know, these people have done. And absolutely. Um, thank you so much for that. And then the last question I wanted to ask a lot of these situations that, you know, lead us to family estrangement are situations that happen when we were very young, right? They could be when we were in, in our childhood or we were, you know, teenagers. How do we heal through, you know, the past version of us? Like, how can we honor that version and like use it like you said to thrive in the next version of ourselves and it, it takes me a lot with like inner niña stuff because I feel like a lot of this dialogue has really taken me back to her and to show her that I got her now and like she doesn't need anybody else's validation to what happened to her or I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> um, how can we navigate that part? Yeah. And that's why I challenge people like, why don't you need validation? You actually do. Just 
it from different people that you've been accustomed to. We're human and we come from a collective culture. We come from a love for communities. So we do actually need validation. It's just considering the source. <laughs> and so with our inner child, inner nina, um, inner nina, it's having a dialogue with them, being more attuned to them. And healing is an ongoing process. It never ends. It never ends. But what I really focus on is that part of us that's sad, that's angry. Lean into it. Because we've been shamed and silenced, blamed and punished for being angry. I was with a group of friends and I thought, how many of you were allowed to be angry as little girls or children? I wasn't. There were there were consequences for that. So sometimes we per we per we exert that on ourselves. We we blame ourselves for being angry. How many times have you heard like you hear like even other therapists or people in the healing circle saying, let go of your anger or you're gonna stay, you're gonna be sick? No. You have the right to sit in your anger and your grief as long as you need to, and you can express it. And you can use that to have a dialogue with that inner child and say, yeah, you you should be angry. And let's do something with it. And for a lot of folks that is sharing their story, that is creating, creating. Um, for some of them, they want to protect it. But it's again, it's not shaming or blaming that inner child for what they went through and that they're not alone. I promise you, Sonia, you're not alone. The inner child's not alone. What helps though, and being attuned with that inner child and these past versions of ourselves, because there's even like that inner young adult, inner teen, it is learning how to become more grounded, more attuned, and being able to listen and feel when your body's responding. And that's where mindfulness, um, different uh, tapping into your senses comes into play. So different types of somatic exercises that even if it's dancing, um, that helps us to uh, bring down the the anxiety and listen because we're on the go. You have the Mujeron movement. Like, you know, people are trying to like build families, relationships, a career. But taking a break throughout the week, throughout the day helps. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been such a healing conversation. <laughs> Just in this recording, uh, I love your energy. You're just so like, bring this calmness. And, and I love that. So the biggest thing that I got of this conversation is like, how do we thrive even through the things that we've gone through? And I thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Um, would you please share more about how we can connect with you, how we can work with you? I know you have a very exciting workshop coming up. Please tell us more about it. Yes. So the holidays aren't that far away. And oh, that's when the anxiety goes up. <laughs> the anxiety and dread of possibly having to run into family that we are not crazy about, that we don't like, or that we do not feel safe with. Um, and if it's not interactions with them, it's even the theme, family-centered activities, holidays can be very triggering for our grief. So with that, I have a workshop coming up, group coaching coming up that helps guide people navigating family situations, grief, 
And again, really reclaiming their narrative. This didn't happen overnight. You're not alone. And just finding what works for them. So you can find me on Latinx underscore estrangement on Instagram. And that's where you'll find the link to my services with the Boundaries Workshop and group coaching and therapy. Yes, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It's truly inspirational and it it impacted me so much in just one call. I can't even imagine like working with you would be so amazing. Um, I'm going to make sure to link everything on the show notes so that you ladies can take a look at uh, Violeta's work and make sure to follow her. Again, thank you so much. I'm so happy we met um, through that that in-person uh, meet up with Gigi. Shout out to Gigi for what she's doing. I love her. <laughs> yeah. This is just amazing. I feel like I talk so much about in-person events because truly it has connected me, connected mm-hmm. with amazing women like yourself. And I knew as soon as I saw all the the content you were putting out and the conversations you were having, like we need to have her on the podcast. Like this is so needed. So thank yeah. you so much. No, thank you too. And I wish there had been more time to like really get to know each other because it's not until I saw the Instagrams. I'm like, oh my God, look what they're doing because the meetups go so fast. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much, ladies, for tuning in to another episode of the Mujeron Podcast. See you ladies next week. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mujeron Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.